And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek. Trade deadline season has begun. Yeah. Episode. He's John from uh, Twins Daily. Correct. I'm still at the Athletic. I'm here. You are still there. Um, We're going to talk. Yeah. (laughs) They need me for the trade deadline. They couldn't, you know. After that, who knows? After Tuesday, Touch and go about a month ago. (laughs) Who knows? Um, Let's see the New York Times cover the Minnesota Twins. we have a lot to talk about uh, because the Twins have made their first, and I say first because I think there will be several, or let's say multiple, several yes, plus right. three plus. I don't want to really get out in front of my skis on this one. but And that's why we're actually have doing the free episode a little early today, Yeah, or this this week. Clean we're going to get this out. Clear the books. So get that this out on Friday uh, supper so that once we get uh, Thursday night, you can listen to it Saturday or, or, Thursday. Thir- Thursday night. Friday morning, you can listen to the first thing, and then if any news breaks, we would uh, encourage you to uh, subscribe to the Patreon, because we will be doing emergency podcasts with the cool emergency podcast music. Yeah. the Yeah, basically, like John said, we're <laughs> going to talk about the Jorge Lopez for Dylan Floro uh, trade, which happened about an hour after the final pitch right. yesterday. Yep. I, I had literally just started to drive home. Uh, when I got a text that That's said, funny. Uh, hey. Did you go back to the ballpark? No. Because I was like, what's, <laughs> they were on the plane. Right. They had yeah, gone yeah, to the yeah. airport. There was no way to so talk no to them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we have been told, you know, there's probably something coming. Uh, so we're going to break that down and then also look, kind of look ahead what we expect because the deadline is August 1st, which is Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, basically, is the deadline. Uh, I do expect the Twins to be relatively active. I don't think. I guess we would, I'm guessing you agree, would be surprised if they make a significant, like a star level trade. Yeah, especially given, yeah, I mean, especially given it seems like, well, yeah, I, I would be surprised. Yeah, I would, I would have been surprised a week ago and I'll be even more sure. surprised now. Uh, but I do think they are looking to make multiple moves. The fact that they made one, you know, kind of right before things kind of got rolling right. league wide, yes. although there were a couple of trades yesterday too, yeah. uh, I think speaks to that. But, so we're going to break that down. But yeah, like you said, uh, after today, which is Thursday, we're recording this Thursday, 3.30, just in case you're listening to this and they've made a trade at like 4.30 and like, why didn't they cover this? Uh, anything now between this moment and, and next Friday, which is August, which three days after the trade, right. <laughs> we're going to be Patreon wise, which yeah. means if you're a Patreon subscriber, first of all, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get emergency shows. You're going to get trade deadline right. recap. Uh, all that stuff, kind of as it happens. I mean, if they make five trades, we might do five shows. If they make no trades, we might do one show recapping the whole thing. That'll be P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. And when we put out new episodes, they cost you a dollar. If we don't put out any episodes, it costs you nothing. Right. So sign up. It might cost you a dollar. It might cost you five bucks. But those are ones you're probably going to want to listen to. Okay. With that out of the way, uh, I don't know. Should we talk? I, I'm, I'm hesitant <laughs> to even... start with the trade. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk. That's going to be the bulk of the show, basically. But, uh, you know, also since we spoke, they said officially Polanco was going to rejoin the team on this road trip. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. They kind of rushed that uh, significantly compared to the, oh, we're going to ha- give him... We kind of wondered about that. We Quite speculated, time, we speculated on that last Friday that by the time yes. the tw- it's... They tend to say things about rehab assignments and then not do them. Uh, which is, well, you know, he aggravated his hamstring. So this time we're going to make sure right, yeah, he yeah, played yeah. four games and now they're calling him back up. Uh, my uh, galaxy brain uh, take on this is what if they're shopping Polanco and a oh, new team wow. wants to see him play uh, a weekend before the trade deadline? That's just pure uh, me trying to connect dots that probably don't exist. But it is odd. He played three games at third base uh, and now he's back playing third base. But we'll see how that goes. Um, Buxton is back from paternity. They've already demoted uh, Trevor Larnick to AAA, back to AAA to make room, which was the expected move. That's the move that right. he came up yeah, for Buxton. Course, it was a three-day right. thing. Uh, we're going to talk about Trevor Larnick, though, more momentarily as it relates to the trade deadline. Um, so, okay, let's just get into the, the trade that they have made already, which uh, not a shocking trade, although I I guess I kind of – it's hard to give them credit on the Jorge Lopez front because <laughs> – so bear with me with what I'm trying to lay out here. Okay. Um, 
that the initial trade for Jorge Lopez essentially a year ago right. at this time, you know, 360-something days ago, was a disaster on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought they were getting not, you know, an all-star closer that he had been in the first half. There was some regression expected there. But they thought they were getting a late-inning caliber, you know, front-line reliever. Sure. I mean, they they thought they were getting a closer. Well, right. I don't. I just mean, <laughs> I mean they didn't think he was going to have a one sixty ERA for the right. rest of his life right. or anything. Right. They had you know somewhat realistic expectations based on his first half. Right. But you know, yeah, they put him right into the closer role, and right. it, it was completely you know, it was apparent within like three appearances. Oh, this is not gonna, this is not gonna go the way they wanted it to go. Right. And aside from this April when he threw twelve innings uh, with a zero ERA, yeah. he's been not just bad, but like bad in an unusable way like right. he's hitting guys he's walking guys he's imploding and so they kept dropping him down further and further to the point that of late you know he goes on the injured list for mental health break comes back after the minimum 15 days you know a couple of decent outings in there including actually his last mm-hmm. outing was one of his better outings yeah, in a long yeah, time it was. Uh, but not not reliable in the sense that you could even pitch him like in the sixth inning of a tie game or something like that and so he kind of became a separate entity from the overall bullpen in a right. weird way yes where it's like we have these relievers we use and then when the game is weird or yeah. if it's an emergency we use Jorge Lopez and I don't know that they that did him any favors necessarily from like a usage standpoint but he just he was horrible down the stretch last year and then since April he's been really awful yeah uh, this year and so that trade, they botched that trade on right. all fronts. Yep. You know, th- one of the throw-ins to that trade, Jenny or Cano made the all-star <laughs> right. team for right. the Orioles that's as a reliever. Right. Yeah. So right there, that's a bad trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cade Povich, who was the lefty uh, kind of top, the best prospect in the four-player hall, is, you know, borderline top 100 prospect now. And I think probably this time next year we're going to be saying, oh, yeah, he's good for the Orioles now <laughs> as a starter or a potentially multi-inning reliever. That that was a bad trade. They they thought they were getting a really good reliever in Lopez, and he and, was and, anything and for but two, the next two and a half years. Right, and they, uh, that was the right. why was, they were willing to right. kind of pay. I don't want to say a super premium, but why they targeted him for specifically is he was under control for this right. year and next year. So two he and was and a supposed years. to be part of like a cornerstone, a right. bullpen dominance for the next three right. they years. Thought, well, right. we got him and Duran now in the yep. late innings. We're pretty right. set there for yeah, a while. Right. And that, we've got a one-two punch with, right. with Jacks out sitting out there as well, and somebody else. Oh my God! Right, let's let's go. Right. And so that just didn't happen. And so, there's no way to spin that as anything but a disastrous trade, coming and going both ways. And it's only going to get worse as right. Povich reaches the majors and all that. So with that said, though, you know, you can only deal with what's in front of you today. Right. You know, they can't go back and undo that trade. And I think this goes to a the sunk cost notion, which yeah. is, you know, if if I God, pay, bl- God bless that they understood that this was, that was a sunk right. cost. And I, I do give them <laughs> yeah, credit right. for that because they haven't always been great at that. I mean, there are players on the roster, <laughs> Joey Gallo, who, <laughs> and maybe Max Kepler <laughs> to some regard. Um, I'll be nice to Emilio and won't say him, although I just did. <laughs> but where they're not always uh, so quick to yeah, recognize that it's a sunk cost. We've talked about that quite a bit, actually. And, and right. the reason that a, recognizing a sunk cost is important I once had a a teacher use this analogy on me, which is maybe where my love of terrible analogies comes from. But (laughs) they said if you buy a hamburger for $10, and it's a a great hamburger, but you forget to eat it and you leave it out, and you come back three days later, and you go, well, man, I spent 10 bucks on that. I should eat it. I should get the value from it, right? (laughs) That's the worst thing you could do is eat it because then you're just going to get worse. And that's kind of how I view Lopez, which is – they could continue going down the same path with him, which they've tried to do now. Um, I think they've been relatively forgiving on and off the field for him and have tr- really tried to work with him from mm-hmm. an on-field and off-field they standpoint. They have tried to work this problem, right? right. Both and sides. I don't think it's through any fault right. of his. Like, right. There's no moral failing on his, on his front. Um, but I, I, I just saw vi- – and we talked about this two months ago. Right. I just didn't see it happening for him here as a late-inning guy. I just think from a – from a pitching standpoint, from a off-field or, or mental health standpoint, I just I didn't see it working. And you could continue to go down that path and try to, you know, kind of step by step move him up from mop up to middle relief to whatever over the next two months. I have no confidence in that happening. And then the other thing is, what does next season's team control right. matter no. when he's going to make five million plus in right. arbitration? 
and there's no way they're going to want to keep him for right. that. And so once that yeah, happens, yeah. It, oh, it, in fact, what I was, what my biggest concern about Lopez wasn't just that he was, you know, burning up a roster spot this year, right? Right. And it was that they were going to double down on oh, right. him, similar Which to before. similar to Pagan, yeah. Right. And where they'll say, well, it's only five million, and we still have confidence, <laughs> and really, we want to still recoup still value from there, that ten dollar right. hamburger. That was, that was my big. Yeah, yeah. That was my biggest concern about Lopez moving forward is that they were going to continue. If the best case scenario was they recognize is well, he's now going to be a low leverage reliever that we're going to be trying to find. Maybe there's an upside play there. Like right. you like to have some low leverage guys in the bullpen that you think could eventually become a. High leverage, sure. right? Whether it's because of stuff or past history or whatever. To me, that and, should and, be the and, and, only goal of a low-leverage right, reliever is right. can they become more right. than that? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's an absolute or necessity a part of the check mark, right? Uh, you know, he does qualify for that. Like sure. there, you there, you, uh, and so the thought process was okay. At the most likely scenario is he's a low-leverage guy this year. Maybe he ends up becoming a high-leverage guy at some point in the season. He puts it all together, but. I mean, I just the, had the, no but the but that. the odds are, I, I I thought there was a ninety percent chance that they were not picking up right. that thing, and, and frankly, I thought if the the ten percent was a, a worst case scenario, yes. not the best. They're going to get food poisoning from that ten dollar burger. <laughs> right. That's exactly. Uh, right. By the way, how long ago did I go to college that a ten dollar burger was like an example of like a <laughs> right, yeah, decadence? Exactly right, like, right. oh, you can't throw away a ten dollar burger. Meanwhile, you go to Five Guys and they're like nine fifty. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so and so within that. And so the reason I'm giving them credit, now it's damning with faint praise, obviously. Hopefully we've made that clear. But once you determine two things, once you determine, A, he can't be trusted right now. Right. And two months is not that long of a time. Right. And it's very difficult in August and September of a, of a pennant race. To find great opportunities right. for him to, to have a guy through, work right? his yeah, way through right. problems. Because then if he has a couple of disastrous outings, right. then it, what – And so Most likely going to be a lot of trials by fire. Right. <laughs> right. Or nothing. Yeah, or he's right. collecting dust that's basically because right. they just can't use him. That's right. And so once you determine you don't have faith in him kind of building up to that going into like September, let's say, then you can say, well, the 2024 team control has ceased having any value really, mm -hmm. let alone significant value to us. And so once you've determined that, then this trade becomes fairly straightforward, which is right. two months of Jorge Lopez, August and September. Do we think he's more valuable and more useful to us than Dylan Floro? And I think that's a very hard case to make, which is why I give them credit. I'm not sitting here and tell you we'll, – we'll talk about who Darren Floro, Dylan Floro is because I'm sure people haven't watched that much Marlins baseball over the years. And he's certainly far <laughs> from a, he has, a prominent yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, – come on. Okay, come on. You got scouting report? No, she gave me the finger and walked away. Um, but So we'll go over that. But you know, he's just, I would say, a kind of uh, – honestly, like we joked about this, a Michael Fulmer type, right? which yes, is uh, a, right. A, a decent – you know. High floor, low ceiling, uh, sixth or seventh inning reliever. I, yep. I tend to call them yep. secondary setup men, which is like you're good using them in spots that matter, right. just not the spots that matter the most. Right. And even you know stylistically, he's a sinker slider guy who does really well against righties. He's not a guy you want to match up against a whole lot of lefties, especially you know good lefties, back to back lefties, and sort of thing. So I think it, it kind of matches what they did with Fomer last year, where you he's 32. He's got, I think, a 317 ERA since 2018 for the Dodgers right. and then lately the Marlins. He's set up a lot for the Marlins. He's closed for the Marlins. He's not going to be a guy who's you know going to displace Duran or even Jax, right. but he's a guy who can pitch the sixth or the seventh inning you know, relatively rubber-armed. He's a veteran. You can try to spot him as much as possible against righties. He's been sort of their backup closer. Uh, yes, for part of although the, he struggled this year, which yeah, we're going to talk about right. that in a second too. But And so to me – you're essentially trading a guy. Now, set aside the track or the, the background on Lopez, mm -hmm. and what you're trading is a guy you don't trust to pitch in anything that matters for, and it's really only two months of that because right. yeah, next year doesn't really matter, right. for a guy who you might actually you might, you trust. Might trust. <laughs> and exactly to me, right. yeah. that is just such a no brainer move. And, you know, it still could go bad. Sure. You know, Floro's. The proof is going to be in the pudding right. here. Floro's ERA was right. four and a half with Miami. Now, we're going to talk about how the secondary numbers there were right in line with his career norms and he's right. gotten unlucky and all that, but maybe not. Maybe he's just, there's a sign of yeah. him at 32 yeah, struggling. Yep. Or 
Lopez goes to Miami, and all of a sudden he's pitching like he did in Baltimore, and then all of a sudden next year's team control has value for Miami. I, I see why Miami would do this, right. which is Floro's a 32-year-old impending free agent. Miami's on the you know edges of contention or whatever, and they probably think, well, how if we can turn Lopez into anything decent, then we could keep him next year or trade him next right. year. Yeah. So I get that, but from this twin standpoint, I honestly think it probably just came down to a simple thing as for the next two months – who would we rather have in the bullpen? And I, I really think it's after watching Jorge Lopez now for the last 12 months, you know, 50-something innings for the Twins, it's just really difficult to make a compelling case that he was going to be more useful to the Twins uh, over the next two months. Now, does that take away from how disastrous the initial trade to get him was? Absolutely not. They should not be taken off the hook from that. But setting that aside, I think this was sort of a nifty little move that I certainly didn't see coming I to be not. able to – Take a reliever who has pitched himself completely out of your plans and flip him for a similar for one of reliever. The things, one of the things you're looking for at the trade deadline. Right, exactly. And, I mean... Yeah, if they had made a move for Dylan Floro tomorrow and it was just they traded uh, you know, their number 18 right. prospect for him, we'd go, eh, it's on the low exactly, end of what, what, what we were looking for, for but right. that checks the box. This, this checks that box and... <laughs> You opens up a roster spot. You don't have to worry about sending down, you know, well, some of the true, other guy, younger guys that you might be. I mean, not that it, it's going to kill him to put Josh Wein- send Josh Winder back down to AAA, right. but you know, Josh Winder puts well. He did pitch really well. I was, I was shocked. He by was that. very good. Yeah, because he has not been very good. Uh, I was really hoping they'd get him the win with a push yeah. run across in the ninth. That's true. Uh, okay, eight. so a few more things uh, about this trade. Um, you know. This is a front office admitting a, a, a sizable mistake, viewing it as a sunk cost and moving on. Uh, Floro is an impending free agent. Now, if they fall in love with him, you know, a yeah. one-year $4 million deal or something like that should be able to get it done. I think there's a decent chance that throughout the offseason, you and I speak of Mike uh, Dylan Floro in the same way that we spoke about Michael Fulmer. Right. <laughs> this entire, is, this entire well, last why don't they just resign him? Why don't they just resign yeah. him? Let's throw four, bucks, four I, million bucks at him. I agree. Bucks at him. So... Like I said, uh, 317 ERA since 2018. That's in roughly, I don't know, 300 innings. Pretty consistently been a you know a late-inning caliber guy. He's closed, I don't know, 30-something games for the Marlins over the last couple of years. Mostly a, a setup guy. But this year, if you look, a 452 ERA. Right. And I know a lot of Twins fans are going to look at that and say, well, they traded Lopez for a guy who is almost as bad as Lopez. Right. What's the deal? And, uh, you know, maybe if he had a three-something ERA, this trade doesn't happen because Miami's not – you know, soured on him and all, but I would say, you know, going a little below the surface on a 4.52 ERA, he's thrown 40 innings this year. He has 41 strikeouts versus 11 walks, right. which is excellent. That's a great ratio. And even better, he's allowed two home runs in 40 innings. Right. So if you have 41 strikeouts and 11 walks in 40 innings, and you've allowed two homers, it doesn't. You know, take a genius level uh, sabermetric analysis to say that's better than a 452 right. ERA. Now, why is his ERA so high? Two reasons. One, give up a lot more hits than in the past. Yes, a 396 batting average on balls in play, which can sometimes be a, hit, a pitcher's fault, but is usually at least somewhat tied to luck. And right. it's 80 points worse than his career norms. Yeah. It's almost 100. That's, that's what you really like to take a look at is right. what was he done every other year before this? Why is he suddenly right. giving up a bunch of hits this year? Exactly. Especially with Luis Horace in the infield. Wow. That was, <laughs> that was mean of you. But yeah. uh, yes. And so if you kind of normalize the rest of his numbers and then also uh, a huge percentage of the runners he's bequeathed to others have been allowed to score as inherited runners, something like 40% or something like that. So you, you know, you should be around, I don't know, 75% uh, not scoring. Sure. 25%. So that's three or four other runs. And I'm not here to tell you he's pitching the best baseball of his life. Although I will say 337 expected ERA 317 XFIP, which is expected right. fielding, yeah. those are right in line with not only his career numbers, which are you know low three ERA type of guy, but right in line with a seventh or eighth inning setup man that you would want to do. Right. Um, the 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 key for him and the reason you know if this is going to work out well for the Twins, the the thing that's really going to come to the forefront for him is throws a you know 92 to 94 mile an hour fastball but the sinker is really so the sinker is what he gets a lot of ground right? balls with the sinker especially against righties and then he uses a slider, slider. to miss yeah. some bats against righties yep. and he has allowed i mentioned he's only allowed two homers all season he has tied for the lowest home run rate which is homers per nine innings <laughs> uh in of among all active major league pitchers 
uh, with 0.5 home runs per nine innings, which is phenomenal. And that is maybe the most important skill other than strikeouts for a late inning reliever or really just any The last reliever I remember that the Twins acquired like that was, oh, yeah, Jorge Lopez last year. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if we're going to say every good reliever is in danger of turning into Jorge Lopez, then, yeah, you're going to be in trouble on a lot of these. True. Um yeah, so the Jorge Lopez certainly did not have a career track record. No, he, he, he had did just not. done no, that you're for correct. about three correct. You're right. Uh, but you know, to be pitching in a prominent late inning role for now five or six seasons right. and have literally the lowest rate of allowing home runs is hugely valuable. Now, that's a common reliever type, which is sinkers and sliders from a righty to a righty, right. and he's deaf on righties. I mean, righties are going to have a you know, very low slugging percentage against him. And he, and he does a pretty decent job throwing strikes, especially against righties. versus lefties. Against so. lefties, he tries to mix in more fastballs well, versus, fastballs, versus yeah. sinkers. Yep. Um, and he tries to mix in change-ups instead of sliders. And he's not horrible against lefties, although he's been pretty bad against lefties this year. But he's just not somebody you'll ever want in the sixth or seventh inning, sure. you know, with, uh, you know, three, four, five of a lineup and two of those guys are, are lefties. You would just never choose to match him up in those spots. So they're going to have to be a little bit careful versus, let's say, like Griffin Jacks that you can just plug in against, right. the, or Duran, obviously, you can plug in uh, against anybody. But, you know, I, I think he is such a prototypical, not only from, like, um, pitch types and stylistically, like we just talked about, but just performance-wise, yeah. like a three-and-a-half ERA guy, he gets a strikeout mm-hmm. per nine innings, he limits homers, uh you know, just a prototypical secondary setup, man. And this is not something that you should be throwing a parade for acquiring, but to turn something or, or to turn nothing basically right. from a bullpen standpoint into something right. is, I think, some pretty nifty business, at least at the start of the next five days where you're right. kind of expecting or at least hoping that there's going to be more of this type of Well, like we said, it also checks off one of the boxes they already had sitting out, sitting right. out there open. I mean, you could have actually suggest. I, I, mean, I think – we could have easily also been talking about Jorge Lopez being traded away for a prospect or something right. like they just needed to move on and get something back of somewhat some value from some organization yes. regarding it. So that right? you don't end up, by the way, just releasing him in November, and then that's just a complete uh, admittance that right. things went poorly or that it and, was a mistake. And I think, I think uh, after we do a couple sponsors here, when we talk about what what might be coming up, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to do something similar. Like let's trade. Something that we just have to get off the roster. Well, and to we had talked for, about you know on the hitting side. Reliever. <laughs> right. on, uh, when we talked on a couple of Patreons ago, we right. did a whole episode about right-handed bats they mm-hmm. could try to pick up. Uh, right. So if you're thinking about Patreon, that one's free. Yes. The archive is free, <laughs> the by the way. If you sign free. up for the Patreon, including last this last Monday, we talked about all the different relievers right. they might look for. Yeah. So one of the things we said is I kind of joked like it's a shame they can't just you know flip a switch and Matt Walner is right-handed right. or Trevor Larnick is right-handed because right. it would be nice to trade one of those lefty outfield lefty hitting outfielders for a righty hitting version who isn't necessarily better is just right-handed right well that's kind of what they've done here from a bullpen standpoint yeah right they've yeah. just traded a right-handed sinker slider guy for a right-handed sinker slider guy but one they can actually use they feel like they trust you. um I think I have one other thing and then we yeah, will uh in that way it's a little bit of a challenge trade this is two teams. Both have a guy that they feel has underperformed a little bit. Right. And let's swap them and see what yeah, happens. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, I said, right. from Miami's standpoint, I do understand the logic of it. Right. Uh, I just think that should be irrelevant to the Twins because the Twins right. have to deal with their own house, basically. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you get major leaguer for major leaguer trades at the deadline, that's a challenge trade. You then take it a well, step it's further and it's reliever, guys. right-handed reliever for right-handed reliever. <laughs> and both have struggled this right. year. Like, is that sort of a yep. prospect for pro- – these, are, these, are, these guys are too similar – to not to this for this not to be a challenge. I agree, and I think this shouldn't preclude them, and I don't think it will, from trying to acquire another fluoro or better reliever. I agree, but it does, and they do like to do this. They it sets a kind of floor so that if they don't do that, they've at least you know changed the bullpen in a positive way somehow. Right. It maybe takes away some of the leverage where teams know they're just desperate. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say go out and add a, another one, a Michael Fulmer type or Michael <laughs> Fulmer. Fulmer, let's say. Uh, the only other thing I would say is I would, you know, like I said, he's a he's a secondary setup man. I think in a like a good playoff caliber bullpen, I would say someone like Dylan Floro should be like your fourth or maybe your fifth best reliever. 
And I I put him at third. Third, well, third's a little. I mean, not a lot of teams have won championships with Dylan Floro pitching the third <laughs> most leverage innings. But yeah, third or fourth is not unreasonable. And so the reason I say that is, you know, you obviously have Duran and you have Jax right now as one two. Theobar is hoping to join them on this road trip, and okay. if healthy and pitching like he has for the last three years, which is a big question mark, admittedly. Well, he would slot in there right. as three or four. And then obviously they're hoping still to get Brock Stewart back, right. who would slot in there as at three or four. So I do think there's a realistic chance that come, you know, September 15th, let's say, uh, Floro is fourth or fifth on the depth chart. That should be kind of the goal. But the, the injury question marks make that tricky. Yeah, I mean, plan I think, out. I think the, since the last time we did this free podcast, yeah, we found out that both Brock Stewart and, uh, Caleb Theobar, neither had started a rehab assignment, and they weren't. Did has either started a rehab assignment this week? Stewart has not, right? I just said Theobar's joining him the, on the road trip. But is it? Does mean he's on a rehab assignment right now? Yeah, he's pitched Paul? twice. Already. Okay, that's what I was wondering. He's going yeah. to be in St. Louis, like in the bullpen. Huh. If they're activated. Okay, all right. Uh, Stewart has been uh, throwing, but has not started a rehab. But that sounds relatively right. close too. But yeah, I mean, those are huge question marks. I mean, the fact that they're activating Caleb Theobar doesn't mean. They should be activating Caleb, <laughs> right. or, or that he's right. still got the ability to be a you know seventh inning lefty. I mean, he's thirty six years old, but so I think that's kind of the what they're mapping out. Obviously, you go out and add another reliever, and you can push some of those guys down. Uh, before we talk about like what's what's next and some other odds and ends, let's talk about our, our first sponsors. Game time. Uh, we just spent a week watching the Twins, and uh, I had I don't know half a dozen people thank me. For their game time, for the game yeah. time app and us being a sponsor, because, well, as we'll tell you in a little bit, it's easy to get 20 bucks off your first uh, purchase on game time, but also it's just super easy to get tickets and cheap at uh, game time. It's a little bit different in that you're like not going to a website, you're downloading an app. Yeah, it's an the app. game time app. Super easy right. to use. We've both used it. Um, John's used it quite a bit to get tickets. Exactly. I, of course, refuse to play to pay at this point to watch baseball games. <laughs> I only will get paid to watch baseball games. Just kidding. Um, mostly. Uh, but the Game Time app, here's the, the kind of what they're offering, which is their specialty is last minute and or hard to find tickets. And right. so... If you're a Twins fan and you're, uh, you know, at the at the loon before the game, right. and you go, all right, let's head over to the game. You know, do we want to get some tickets on the way? John, I know, has literally uh, purchased tickets via I the app while walking to Target. Immediately Field. after this spot, I'm going to tell you where I was when I was when I last used the Game Time app yeah. because well, we're going to be okay. talking about that place. <laughs> so that's the the selling point uh, that they're really good at. And the app allows for that to do, happen very, very quickly That's and right. seamlessly. And it's beyond sporting events. You can get you know tickets to concerts and Correct. stuff the same way. Yeah, we took a look at them for uh, Bruce Springsteen tickets right. in Philadelphia. So you can snag those tickets without the stress with Game Time. You just download the Game Time app. You create an account. And then you use the code Gleeman for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, create an account. And redeem the code Gleeman for twenty bucks off. Downtime, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The last time I used Game Time, I was at Bricksworth. That's a Bricksworth seg- Beer a segue, Company, <laughs> which uh, I think a lot of you people know uh, as Darby's. It used to be Darby's. Yeah, in the right? old Darby the, spot, North Loop, Darby's right by Target. Twins field, Daily right. had some events there and so on. It's got that great yes. patio that overlooks the. Um, I've had overlooks the train there tracks several times. That is correct. Uh, so now lots of people have, and lots of people have had uh, beers with me new at the new Bricksworth. I got to tell you, it isn't just me that is that. I've taken a lot of friends there because it's one of my new favorite places, and the feedback has always been positive. Bricksworth is a brewery, but also a restaurant. As a brewery, they are associated with the same family that does Blackstack Brewing, right. which one of the best breweries in the Twin Cities, especially known for their hazies, which is why I took Phil Miller there to mm-hmm. Bricksworth. He loved the hazies. Hazy Phil Miller. He, hazies, he's a hazy guy. He is right? a hazy guy. But then they also have food. They have this great pe- they have right, They have burgers, which I think people like, but I haven't really had one but because I can't because I can't not get the pizza. Yes. The pizza is rectangular and, and really good. The a, crust a lot is of, amazing. you know, traditional kind of pub fare too, right. in yes. addition to the pizzas. Uh, it's, exactly. it's one block from uh, Target Field's, you know, gate six where you can go in. Right, like where the North Star line is, That's basically. Right. That's right. Uh, it's just, just a block away. Just Google Bricksworth yep. uh, and follow the signs. They got a good patio. That's right. Uh, 
beer, pizza, burgers, <laughs> patio right adjacent to You're Target. You want to be doing the and uh, you may you may run into John Bonus there. You well, never that's know. That's a downside. <laughs> I've listed several upsides. There's always a downside. You know, gaming or post gaming. Yeah. Bricksworth. That's B R I C K S W O R T H. That was great spelling, John. Pretty good. Congratulations yeah. on that. Um, okay. I like that idea for an ad. Here's ten good things about it. One downside: John might be there. <laughs> it's like, okay, be there. well, yeah, what are you going to do about that? I will uh, probably be on the patio. Okay, so in terms of what's next uh, after swinging this trade, I think you know, like we said, this should not and and won't preclude them from going after another reliever. Although I do wonder if this makes that let's say next reliever more likely to potentially be a, be a lefty. Hander, I wonder. Although that the too. fact that Theobar is about to rejoin the bullpen. Might it might that. be that they, one of the reasons they're kind of rushing him back is they right. want to get some sense sure. of what he's like prior to August 1st. Now, they could also have Theobar rejoin the bullpen and have maybe soured on Giovanni Moran yeah, and add a reliever yeah, to fair. slot between yeah, Theobar fair. and Giovanni Moran on the depth chart. You yeah. could keep all three, but I just You're mean right. in terms of higher leverage, I think Giovanni Moran has struggled enough yeah. uh, that it's tough. I'm not saying ever. But right. I'm just saying right now, over the next right. two months, because yeah. the thing that happens... We were really looking forward to him taking a... Right. I think he was a, one of our sleeper picks yes. at the beginning of the and year. he's had like, his moments this year, yeah. for sure. He hasn't he, been horrible, but no. he just... April the, and May looked right. like he was kind of trending upward, and, and he actually he's initially downward. did a pretty good job as the lone lefty when Theobar first went down. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that's been a lot of stress to kind of carry now for a couple months, and I think it, it kind of undid him a little bit. But uh, I think... You, know, you could carry three reliever or three lefty relievers potentially, um, but you know, to me, if Theobar is a question mark and right. Moran is definitely a question, question mark, mark right, yeah. what you really don't want to be left with is no dependable lefty relievers right. down the stretch, and certainly for a playoff series. Right, and this is kind of something that we've talked about as it relates and, and, to and they, i did notice that they had brent Hedwer- hedrick up for a few weeks uh just to see I mean, now, I'm, gonna... he wasn't really in the left-handed relief role but i wondered you know, like, this is called a non-sequitur you're just, you're just trying some stuff you think brent hedrick's gonna get you big outs in the playoffs out as a lefty I, I just think i don't know what no i don't think he's gonna be the left-handed setup guy no right but i think that's a he's a i mean i don't think moran is that either well, okay, but we can – yeah, I don't think uh, Ron Valone's going to make a comeback either. <laughs> Brent Hedrick gave up three homers yesterday in three innings at Triple A, by the way. This is John's. I did not know that. Uh, okay, but so we've talked about this as it relates to the outfield depth, which is depth is really important in a six-month season. Right. But it's less important when you're four months into that six-month season because what then becomes important, particularly as you get into September and they hope October is, right. what is the actual functionality of this roster? Not just what do we have stashed at AAA, how is our bench, how many relievers do we have that we can option up and down, all that stuff. It's what do we do if some really good lefty is up? Right. And it's you know the seventh inning of a 3-3 game on September 15th. Right. Who's going to be called in from the bullpen to get that lefty out? And it's great to have Moran as depth and even as a long-term piece. I still have some faith in him. And But you're going to need to have someone that you can rely on. And Floro is certainly not going to be that guy uh, for lefty outs. Um, yeah. You know, I think to have Duran, Jax, Floro, and maybe Balazovic or Pagan against righties you're yes. in pretty good shape there you could always improve obviously but they just are so limited now some of those guys are decent against lefties so i'm not saying it's a huge weakness you know duran is not scared of lefties obviously and Jax is quite good sure. against lefties too but you would like to be able to if you're facing jordan alvarez or somebody like right. that to actually bring in a great lefty reliever and so you know we're trying about to piece together the sixth seventh eighth right. sixth and seventh innings to get to your eighth and ninth guys and you run into a, a area where they've got three lefties lined up versus right. out of four spots or something, you just as soon have the lefty yes. come in there. And it's one thing to say to map out a season's worth of bullpen usage. And you can kind of say, well, these guys are in roles, but a lot of days this guy's been used. and then that. Guy. But once you get certainly into the playoffs, well, you're only using four relievers at that point. Right. And That's so right. it becomes essential that those guys have very specific ability to do the things that you need done if you have a thousand good right-handed relievers that's great during the regular season but if you're facing a lineup that has six good lefties or switch hitters in it well then you're just kind of out of luck at that point so i think as the as the calendar switches to you know from july to august the emphasis 
becomes less on depth, more on quality, but even within the quality, more on like the actual utility of these guys, like the actual matchups and the actual how do we envision this guy helping us in September and October. And in some cases, guys who have been solidly valuable during the regular season, you know, guys who are going to pitch 60 innings for you or have 400 bats for you. They have no value whatsoever in October, not because they're like unplayable, but just because the kind of the day-to-day nature of baseball goes out the window at that point. And it's just like, is this guy the best matchup for this spot? And often the depth pieces are not. And so that's why I still think adding one more reliever and certainly adding a right-handed bat would probably be the priority, which we talked to Falvey on after the Walker Jenkins press conference after he signed. Uh, I pulled him aside and said, we're going to ask you trade deadline questions now. And he goes, all right. <laughs> okay. um, I, he still had one foot on the stage when I bugged him about that. <laughs> and he kind of confirmed that our our sense of their priorities at the deadline, which is you know relief pitching, right-handed corner bat. Uh, we're, he said that's where we've had the most conversations. The, uh, but the other thing within that is, well, what are they looking to give up? Now, we saw Lopez for Floro, which is – interesting but you know it's always prospects that most selling teams are talking about right. but they i mean what have we obsessed about all years they have so many left-handed bats right. including gallo and kepler in the majors that guys like larnick or especially walner now aren't really getting full opportunities well other teams can sense that too right. it's not just the brilliant podcasters who are who are figuring that out and so they're starting to get calls on those guys too which right. is Hey, you've had Larnick at AAA for better part of a year now. Right. You got plans for him, or is this a guy we could potentially pry away from you for 80 cents on the dollar or something like that? And for that matter, if you're not going to play Walner every day, once Polanco comes back and Buxton's back and everything, well, hell, we'll give you something for Walner. He could be our fifth hitter for the next five years. And I wonder wonder if they are also approaching teams that are, you know, trying to be competitive that might need a corner after and saying, you know, we trade you Kepler. We'd like back a reliever, right? <laughs> we'd like, or we'd like back, or, right you, or do you have a right-handed back like T. Oscar Hernandez? From do you have Seattle Cax, Cax Mepler, a right-handed hitting, <laughs> exactly. identical outfielder? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Cap. I like that. <laughs> Doesn't really <laughs> make do it out like that. <laughs> uh, and you would maybe toss in Gallo in that mix. Gallo has been so yeah. bad for so long now. I just Gallo. find it very difficult to believe, other than like a pure salary dump or something, which could be beneficial. They could use that money right. to bring in somebody else. But I would view him more as you know a DFA release candidate than a trade candidate. You never know. It takes one. Right. One team might just go, ah, hell, if you pay his whole salary, we'll take him right. or yeah, something like right. that. But I mean, I looked up the numbers this morning. So he had a good first three weeks. Right. We were saying, oh, what a pickup it was. You know, Get him off the scrap heap. Joe Gallo, his last 70 games... He's hitting 161, and he has struck out in 44% of his plate appearances. That's like – and I'm a guy who downplays the importance and the negativity of strikeouts. Right. But, I mean, 44% of the time you step to the plate, you're striking out. What I mean, what chance do you have at that point? And he's hit 161, which is almost identical, by the way. He hit 160 last year, which was deemed you know a career-wrecking year, basically, and he's back at that level. Yeah, Yankees could use a corner out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, that would be a fun I thing I think there's to do. a better chance of an NBA team <laughs> trading for Jolo. Possibly a football team. I view him as a nice correct. tight end. You're right. Yeah. Blocking tight end, sure, possibly. Yeah. Um, so he's at 168, 668 OPS and a 44% strikeout rate in 70 games. And I don't think the defense has been that great either. I mean, it's been fine. He's been good at yeah. first. He's been okay in the corners. They've played him a couple times now in center, which is a nice option to yes. have. Right. But if he's going to hit worse than Michael Taylor, it doesn't really do you any good to put Joey Gallo out in center. So that's the log jam. Now, me personally, I, if I were in a room and people were discussing the idea of trading a Trevor Larnick or a Matt Walner because they are blocked by a Max Kepler right. or a Joey Gallo, I would pro- hopefully stand up and say, there's something wrong with this picture. Like we're, I, we're viewing this from the opposite way. But I will say within that, Joey Gallo has no trade value. And right. Max Kepler, by right. virtue of still being on the roster after two years of trade rumors, doesn't have significant trade yeah, value. But why is that? Well, sure. <laughs> that's separate. But what I'm saying is, I mean, believe me, we're on the same page here. Don't, right, right. But all I'm saying is, well, Larnick might have some trade value. No, I agree. Walner yeah. might have some trade value. Now, you have to balance that against, yes. well, why, like you said, what's the reason they have more trade value? Right, yeah. Well, because sh- you should be playing them, at least yeah. in the future, if not this year. And so, but, 
you know, I, I guess I could read the, uh, I'll read this quote from Falvey that he gave uh, about, you know, teams kind of approaching them. Here's a, uh, he, he wouldn't get into specifics, obviously, but he was asked, I might have asked him, I don't remember, uh, about our teams trying to get one of these lefty bats from you. And he said, it's probably the area that gets asked on a lot, uh, less so that we're focused on selling from it, but other teams look at you and say, okay, you have some good players we like who are left-handed and play the corners because there are other teams that don't have any of that and they're dying to get some. So it does right. come up a lot in conversations. We have a high bar for those guys, though, meaning we have a high bar for dealing for getting, those guys. getting value yeah. back, right? Right. Yeah. Obviously you do because Max Kepler is still on this Well, team. right. But I, <laughs> see, I think – Look, I, <laughs> if they could get something for Joey Gallo, I'd have done that yesterday. Of course. And if they could get something for Max Kepler, I'd have done that 18 months ago. So don't get me wrong there. But I think Larnick strikes me as the yep. like middle ground where he still has trade yep. value. But to me, at least, I would much more be much more likely to commit to Walner as that sort of player type long term with the Twins yep. as kind of a left field right field slugging left handed hitter. Yep. Uh, I think he has more upside. I think he's proven more in the minors and even in the short stint in the majors. I still think Larnick has a chance to be a I decent player. Yeah, but it just hasn't happened yet. And even if you look at his minor league numbers, they haven't been particularly great uh, at AAA. And so Larnick's also twenty six. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's a former first-round pick, but he's played almost 200 games for the Twins with a subpar OPS and all that. If you, if there is if there are teams out there, and it's not – you're going to be selling low on him, obviously. Yeah. But if there are teams out there that still like him as an everyday corner outfielder and still look at him and say he could be in the middle of our lineup for the next four or five years, that type of value, then I, I think I would be very open to trading him sort of separate from my thoughts on Gallo and Kepler. Yeah. Uh, the Twins don't have – a real deep farm system anymore, uh, or, or don't aren't ranked very high. Let's say in terms of prospect lists, but they still do have some players like like Larnick that are no longer quote unquote prospects. Right. Don't fall into but that still prospect definition. But they're leaders. young, potentially under co- team control for a long time. Still have some well, high right. upside or I mean, something. Miranda, so that, Royce, right. Kirilov, those guys all fit that description. And, Julian, and all fit this that year. I think even those guys even become a little bit more intriguing or a little bit more valuable because you have so many of the teams with. You know, decent players available are teams that want to compete next year. That they 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 were surprised they didn't compete right. this year. The Padres and the Cardinals and the Mets, all of those teams are not looking to be trading. They're not tearing down the organization. They're trying to get a a low A prospect, or you know, right. they're looking for a triple A guy that can jump in and handle left field for the next three to four years. Right. They're not a right. traditional seller in the sense that. They're just trying to maximize value, even if it's down the road value. If you're St. Louis, now they don't really need an outfielder, but right, you know yes. the Mets, the 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 Padres, teams like that that are saying, "Well, we're going to sell some impending free agents, but we're not tearing this thing down to the studs. We actually want to compete next year." The White Sox, for that matter, right. just said that, yeah, or have right. given indications of that that we're not trading away Tim right. Anderson, we're not trading away guys under control. So, someone like Larnick, who could step right into your major league lineup. I mean, he's right. been in the major league lineup for better part right. of the past three years or part of the similar bet. to like steer with the reds. Right. You know what I mean? Like well, he hadn't right. even debuted, right. but yeah, yeah similar yeah. in terms of he right. can plug him right in. I think there is some value there and you know, would I be looking to unload Trevor Larnick? No, no, absolutely not. But if someone wants to value him at a reasonable level and looks at him as someone they like in their lineup immediately, well, that's just not the role that's available to him, for better or worse, with the Twins. Now, you can argue about whether it should be, but that's just the reality they've put themselves in. And so, to me, when you have Walner also in a similar spot, it would be logical, at least, to shop Larnick, get something for him, whether it's a right-handed bat, whether it's a reliever, whether it's whatever it is, package him for something bigger, and then say, well, we still have Walner. And right. we still have Kepler yes. and Gallo, yeah, now right. that's, yeah. you know, whatever. I, I mean, Kepler's played great for the last month, so I'm not trying to, you know, uh, unnecessarily crap on him. But uh, that, to me, is why, like, what's next? I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to trade a left-handed outfielder, you know, whether for a reliever, whether for a different type of outfielder, whether just right. for prospects to kind of clear the logjam a little bit. Because I do think, I mean, I joked after yesterday's game when Walner hit two homers, 
and right now is in flux roster wise because he's seemingly the move to send down when right. Polanco is exactly, activated, right. which is about to happen tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like, well, remember the last time Walner got sent down, he'd gotten on base in eight straight player appearances. Now they're going to send him down after a two homer game. Like this right. guy maximizes the fan frustration by having these right. monster games right before he's about to get sent down. <laughs> it would be yeah. nice though to not send him down right. to just go. Why why are we sending this guy back to Triple A? Now, I personally would just DFA Gallo and give him that spot, but the Twins don't right I, now seem inclined I would, to do I would that. be sh- I mean, we we'll see what happens tomorrow. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's the, a hell of an I, off I, day timing wise. Here's the thing: Trade Willardick doesn't actually open up a spot in the ro- on the roster no. for uh, for Ori no. Blanco, right? Uh, Kepler, you know, getting a decent reliever or something for Kepler would right. Uh, Getting a right-handed bat for Kepler Wood, well, DFA right. and Gallo. Larnick has already been optioned right. to AAA. He was yes, optioned right. last night. Well, that's yes, exactly right. Yes, so yeah, right. you're right about that. Right. I'm thinking more you know, aspirationally right, right. Uh, that they will find room for for Walner. That would be trickier uh, with with Larnick. Or if if Walner has truly passed up Larnick on kind of the pecking order, which I think he should have and will have. Well, then the last thing you want to do is just have Larnick's value completely die on the vine there in St. Paul to the point that this offseason you're trying to trade him again and teams are like, well, you didn't even call him up. Like, what do we get him for cheap at that point? So I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, I hate to say this because I've become a a pretty big supporter of Matt Walner, which hopefully now people can see why I've been talking about this guy endlessly (laughs) for the last six months or whatever. Uh, The guy can, he can bang, like he can hit. They can't, Uh, they can't take him off the roster. I think they're going to, though, uh, unless there's a trade. Like you I said, know, what other move is there to make? Yeah, I mean, because yeah, the only other one I can think of is Willie Castro. And they're not then sending you, down Willie Yeah, because you don't have I, a center field. I think – I mean, maybe Gallo. They would They would try to send down Carlos Correa at this point over <laughs> Willie Castro. They're so in love with Willie – that's a joke, but they're so in love with Willie Castro. Um, yeah. So that, I think, is the next step. I mean, it also could just be as simple as they're going to trade a prospect or two for an outfielder or right. a reliever. I'm not suggesting that major league for major league is the way this is necessarily headed, but I do think they're getting calls on left-handed hitting outfielders. And to me, I would much rather trade Larnick than Walner. Now, that doesn't mean they won't trade Walner, which right, would right. be upsetting, right. but you would hope at least that they're driving they're getting a, something, a fairly hard really good that, at that point. Right. Like, because yeah. to me, if you trade away Larnick and or Walner, and then you finish this season with Gallo and Kepler, and Gallo leaves as a free agent, and then right. Kepler's got an option... Well, the last thing you want to be doing is block these guys for a whole season when they could have helped you and then get to an off season and go, well, now we don't even have any of this. So what are we doing? So that I think w- would probably be the next step. What, what, before what, we, what about if they send out Josh Winder? Yeah, I don't carry 12, I asked, 12, 12 I guys on the, the, that's yeah. also something I would do. Yeah. Right. Not because of Josh Winder, just because right, yeah, right. they don't need 13 pitchers right, yeah. for the next 72 hours right. after an off day. With, by the way, an off day after Monday. Right. three yeah, more games. Right. That's right. Uh, but they, uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Although they might be forced to consider that just because they, it, yeah. it, being able to delay some of these decisions until after the trade deadline would have huge value, right. which is sort of why I'm surprised they're activating Polanco because that forces them to make an extra roster decision, which is why, like I said, my galaxy brain thought was, why would they activate Polanco so quickly and right before the deadline? Maybe they're trying to showcase him. Now, again, Maybe. that's just pure speculation. I don't even know if that makes much sense. But uh, okay, so before we finish up with some other notes, let's talk last about sponsor. our last sponsor here. Stamps.com. Uh I've uh, talked a lot of times. I hate the post office. I hate going to the post office. I uh, avoid actively going to the post office. I have to occasionally go to the post office. I limit my t- chances to go to the post office no more than a couple times per year. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, it reminds me of living in the Soviet Union, which is not something I want to – Without I, the vodka. That's something, yeah, exactly. Unless right, you smuggle yeah, exactly, it in. Right. Yeah. So we've, I've used stamps.com similarly, which is when I was sending out autographed copies of my book like five years ago. I uh, vastly underestimated the interest in that, and so my whole house became a shipping department. And if I would have had to take eight books a day to the post office to mail out and get them weighed and put postage, I would have been driven insane or even crazier (laughs) than I currently am. Instead, somebody was like, why don't you just try stamps.com? And I'm telling you, I would say this to you if they were not a sponsor. (laughs) It was so incredibly easy and easy to use. You can track then your what you're shipping out so you know when it's delivered. You get a barcode with a uh, serial number for each thing. You can, by the way, we're about to tell you an offer that they'll send you uh, something to weigh 
a right. little scale to That's you right. so that you yes. can put the correct postage so that you're not overpaying for postage just because you want to slap 10 stamps on when you only need eight stamps or whatever. And so I really cannot vouch more for stamps.com ease of use. And like John said, you can avoid the post office and you can avoid the hassle and get started with stamps.com today. Just sign up with the promo code geek. No, that's not the usual promo code we do. So sign up with the promo code geek for a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. You just go to stamps.com and you click the microphone at the top of the page and you enter the code geek. Okay. Uh, trying to think what other uh what other I mean, stuff we've talked we a little bit about the rest of the trade market here sure <laughs> i just want to make sure I, quite a bit i uh, have everything i want to cover here uh by the way reliever wise <laughs> it doesn't really help you in august and september but i do think now that he's healthy there's a decent chance that kenta maeda could be moved to the bullpen in the playoffs which he's done before yeah. for the dodgers yeah that's true too. i think unlike last year when they thought about doing that to bring him back as a september reliever and that was kind of ruled out i do think that's in play yeah. although the way he's pitching he might be one of your game right. three starters but i think that's sort of a soft factor then in right. what they do now you need to get to the playoffs before you can think right. about that um you know, for that matter, someone like Louis Varland uh, <laughs> yeah, could right. be un- unleashed as a one inning guy in the in the playoffs. Um, okay, uh, one other one other thing. We did go through all of the relievers on Monday's yes. uh, Patreon. We should mention that that's also free if you sign up. Yeah, if you're saying you they are right. mentioning names, yeah, we did that. We went through a whole list. We went through the pros and we cons. Had, uh, and Josh Hader at the top. We went through three lefty relievers yeah. they could go after. We went through another nine middle relievers that Sign they could up for go the after. Patreon. Right. There's a lot of right. good stuff on the right. Patreon. It's some bad stuff, too, but sure. a lot of good stuff on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward uh, through the WPA yeah, discussion on the last episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, one other thing that Falvey said when we talked to him the other day which is sort of a cliche that many GMs in many sports have said in many seasons, but it was interesting to hear him say that nonetheless is, you know, I don't see us making necessarily a trade for a player who's going to make a bigger impact than the four guys we're hoping to get back from the injured list, which is Jorge Polanco, who's already back now, uh, Royce Lewis, who they're hoping to get back in two or three weeks, and then Brock Stewart and Caleb Theobar. I mean, their odds of trading for a reliever who is better than a healthy Brock Stewart or Caleb Theobar are pretty low, and their odds of trading for a hitter who's better than Jorge Polanco or Royce Lewis are really low. Right. Now, yes. a right-handed hitter who's a better right-handed hitter than than Jorge Polanco, <laughs> or a right-handed outfielder, given that those guys aren't playing the outfield, right. that's a different story. But well, we did mention that repeatedly, so yeah. it made me think they're looking more for you know complementary pieces, which is kind of what we expected. But it was interesting, and then also in terms of major leaguer for major leaguer. You know, we just saw him do reliever for reliever. Right. We've talked a lot about Gallo and, and Kepler. Right. Uh, Miranda, while on the IL, is yeah, something right. they could certainly shop in a deal. Yeah, Similar to Larnick. Yeah, you're, you're selling right. low. Yeah. Another good example. Yes. Yep. Of a guy like you talked about. He's not a prospect, right. but he's sort of a yep. prospect still. Yeah. And then for that matter, someone like Farmer. Some, I mean, the right-handed bat they need, but they need an outfielder, really. Right. So if some team wants to use Farmer as their starting shortstop or their starting second baseman or something, uh, I think that's a possibility. Um, okay. So. If you, or Willie Castro. Yeah, if you could get Shohei Otani <laughs> for Willie Castro, they might consider doing it. But if you're not going to get Shohei Otani anymore. No, he's off the market. He's off the market. It was what, I thought it was amusing that they like announced, okay, he's officially off the market. And yeah. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. No. And then they went and traded for, for I said, now that means something. Yeah. So they went and traded with the White Sox. The Angels went and traded for the White Sox. Right? With, uh, for two and penny free agents, Lucas Giolito, who's killed the Twins, right. which we talked about on yep. yes. a couple episodes yep. ago. Uh, it's nice to have him out of the division. Very good pitcher. Impending free yeah. agent starter. And uh, for? And for Reynaldo Lopez. Who is one of the names we mentioned on Monday. Yes, we talked quite a bit about him because he's an impending free agent, yeah, exactly right-handed right. setup right. man. Yep. And we were yep. like, I don't know if the White Sox want to trade with the Twins, yep. but if they're open to it. So that's off the table. The White Sox have some other guys too. Um, also, the Guardians traded right. their starting shortstop, uh, Ahmed Rosario. And you might think, they're two games out of first place. Why would they trade their starting shortstop? Two reasons. One, the Guardians have clearly made it uh, obvious over right. the past five or ten years, they are willing to be both buyers and sellers. sellers yeah. Now they've often done it with pitchers, like right. uh, a guy. And by the way, if Shane Bieber hadn't got injured, yeah. I think they might be looking to do it with Shane Bieber right. to cash these guys in a year in front of free agency yeah. for big value. And pro- they did it with Trevor the, Bauer. They did the, it with Kluber. They're playing the Rays game. 
right. is what they do. Constantly they, they, refreshing. They're constantly trying to pick up additional years of right. team control from somebody they think is going to be right. trending in the right direction. So Rosario was an impending free agent. So instead of letting him walk as a free agent, and he wasn't going to be a qualifying offer guy, and they weren't going to spend $50 million or whatever to resign right. him, get something back for him. But here's the real reason why it's not like a point of uh, celebration for the Twins that they're selling. Ahmed Rosario has been terrible this year, and <laughs> they have uh, two or three good young infielders that are going to now step in for him uh, that they've been using in like part-time roles. And so it's very possible by trading Ahmed Rosario, while it sounds weird for a team in contention to trade their starting shortstop, I think they're probably on paper no worse and perhaps better this year and right. got a couple prospects that they obviously like for the future. So it's interesting, though, within the AL Central. I mean, I'm I'm assuming Kansas City is going to trade whatever isn't uh, nailed down. Detroit, right. similarly, because right. they're just yeah, done, done. Right. Uh, the White Sox, it sounds already like, started, <laughs> but right, only but. it sounds like maybe only impending free agents. Right. Yes. Now, they have a couple more of those. Uh, but Joe Kelly and uh, Keenan Middleton aren't coming to the Twins, right? At least yeah. as far as <laughs> as long as Correa's here, uh, and a lot of their other guys are, you know, got a team option for next year right. or they're signed for a couple years. I actually think it's good news for the Twins long term if the White Sox take the approach of we want to be competitive next year because they are inevitably going to have to rebuild. Right. And that is pushing off the rebuild. And the further they push off the rebuild and the more value they allowed to erode yeah. via time and team control, the better. I mean, if if someone – This is certainly a different pivot than what we thought they were going to do in right. April or May when they were really brutal. Yeah. We thought we could be looking at a full rebuild. And, re and listen, we are not somebody who advocate full advocate for a full rebuild. Right. We, don't, we don't like doing that. So in that way – I kind of admire the fact that they're going to try sure. to reload and, and do it again. But yeah, it does. I don't think they're being realistic about what their 2024 team could look like. Yeah, and so yeah. I think this time next year, they're going to be sitting here going, all right, well, that didn't work. Right. Now let's trade away these six guys. And those six guys are going to have even less value than they do now, which is beneficial to the I mean, twins. Start with just having to replace Lucas Giolito in terms of, I mean, they already. Well, right. <laughs> yeah, right, like, uh, so. yeah, it's true. Okay. So I don't know. Mentioned Walker Jenkins signed. Uh, we talked more about that. The only real point I'll make on that is that uh, he made me a fan immediately by referring to Betsy Hellfand <laughs> as ma'am, which sent her into a like a midlife crisis I tailspin I immediately. So much, yeah. I think she's like 29. She's it, like, I'm yeah. not old enough for that, yeah. right? Right? And I'm like, I think it was just sort of a southern way of showing respect. It's and it. she's like, I think he thinks I'm old or something. <laughs> I wanted to be like, I don't even think he looked at you when you asked the question. He just heard it was a female sounding she voice. She immediately went out and bought a sports car. Yeah. She <laughs> got a motorcycle from the place you got your motorcycle yeah that'd be so great she yeah she shows up the next day <laughs> yeah she's got a rolex on she's got hair plugs mullet yeah hi betsy betsy loves when we talk about her because then her friends go they talked yeah. about you and then she's got to go find what we said exactly and then she's right. like what the I'll hell i'll try to make a note here 57 yeah. minute mark yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so yeah walker jenkins likely i asked about this uh he's headed after signing uh, under the wire, he's headed to their complex in Florida. He'll do some, like, just working out with them for a few days, probably. It sounds like relatively soon. Now, that could be a week or two. But relatively soon, he's going to join the Florida Complex League, which is the lowest level of American minor leagues. Right. Rookie ball, you know, just drafted guys. And, in fact, a couple of the other guys who were just drafted actually made their debut this morning uh, in games there. So I would expect him to be in the middle of that lineup, uh, certainly in August, and right. play, you know, I don't know, 30 games or something, 20 games or something maybe, hopefully. So you can at least get a kind of taste of what type of player he is, do the old lemon test uh, that I talked about on the podcast, which is 1% yeah. yeah, of the time, a guy you draft fifth just can't hit. Yes. Keone uh, <laughs> Cavaco, let's say. And so you need to find that out. I don't think that's going to be the case here, but you never know. Right. Sometimes you start the car up and you drive it off the dealership lot and it breaks down at the first uh, right. stop sign you that's get to, yeah. and that's just something that happens. So um, the only other thing to talk about, and then we can uh, we can be done here and just kind of wait by the bat phone for any trades. <laughs> for any happen. additional trades happen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Try to keep it to like single-digit beers for the next few days, John. I know yeah, that's we'll going to be difficult see how that goes. I'm certainly not saying <laughs> under five. But, going to, uh, going oh, out no. tonight to watch a uh, – to a local brewery that is having Shakespeare 
Shakespeare? What yeah. does that mean? It means it's a, they do a Shakespeare play oh. outside at a local See, brewery. here's where my fat, <laughs> fat boy brain went to. Ooh, shakes made out of beer? <laughs> well, that could be I mean, good. They do that at Fort Myers at uh, Hammond Stadium. They got the beer milkshakes there. That's true, yeah. Very That's good. That's where my yeah, brain- the chocolate one's good. Not Lime from literature, good. but from calories yeah. is where my brain goes yeah. to immediately. Um, so yeah, we'll, if you see a trade, we're going to be having an emergency podcast uh, for the Patreons, commercial-free, exclusively for Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash gleaming. Just the last like little note to finish up here. Um yeah, we we don't have to obsess about the back to back bad losses to to <laughs> Seattle. Although, man, can this team not handle any prosperity? This team <laughs> cannot handle any success, even uh, an ounce of it. Just you're on a good stretch. That was you, tough. All you gotta do is win one of those last two. You get an off day. You go to Kansas right. City. You got the trade deadline. You're feeling good. You just got to lay back to back eggs against Seattle and just ruin all the vibes. That Tuesday night game. Just yeah, that was that was that bad. Was a tough I one. put my head down to like right. And I looked up, and Pagan gave up the game time homer, and I was just like, "What? What? What?" what? And then it got worse, obviously, yeah. with Ortega. But um, let's see, I had one other. Oh, just about the rotation. I mean, we kind of hit on this a little bit, but the rotation is suddenly not looking capable of carrying them to the extent that they did in the first half. Now that's okay, sure, somewhat because yeah. the lineup has done its part. Those three lefties have really been yes. amazing. Uh, and just in general, I think the quality of at bats have been better. The strikeouts aren't any lower, but as we've talked about, that's not a one for one link between strikeouts right. and quality right. uh, yeah. of an offense. Um, but yes, inserting all these young guys, Julian and Kirloff and Walner, Walner yeah. I, I'm in Lewis how, before how he got How good hurt. would Buxton at his, with well, his yeah. good right-handed bat look in the middle of or those three right now? How about Correa? Correa yeah. Doing right. something other than what he's doing right. at this point. Um, but you know, I, I'm not saying that the rotation has been bad. It's just sort of shifted in the way it's been good. Like the, the people responsible because, Joe Ryan is really going through it. Yeah, he's given yes, up, right. I think, 13 homers in his last 28 innings or something like yeah, that. Something like that. Um, his velocity's down a little. I think just the quality of his stuff is down a little. Maybe that's fatigue-based. Maybe right. there's some mechanical adjustments, which he's talked about. Basically, he kind of started as soon as he did that long, complete yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes a guy to stay in for nine innings until he falls apart after that. Yeah. Remember uh, Johan throwing his no hitter and yep. then was never the same after that. I'm not, you know, he only threw 100. What did he throw? 112 or something like that yeah, in the complete right. game. But he's, yeah, he's been a mess since then. Basically, lots of homers. Now, right. the weird thing is he's missing plenty of bats. He's still getting sure. strikeouts yes. and he's not walking a ton of guys. Right. But he's just, any mistake he makes over the plate is right. getting hit very far. very far. And that was kind of what we saw and, from and him it, early in his career was the home runs were the issue. And he right. kind of solved that to some extent by using the splitter, which induces ground balls. But, it also feels a little bit like Target Field has just become a much more homer-friendly uh, park suddenly in the middle of the summer than it was earlier on in the season. Maybe. It's been hot. Um, so he has struggled, which is definitely an issue. Right. Sonny Gray has not been particularly sharp now for no. a couple months, right. which is an issue. And then Pablo Lopez has really gone up and down. His last yeah. start was solid. but Really good. Um, yeah. He hasn't put together the kind of month-long stretch that you would hope for uh, I mean, since the first month. I, I actually thought he was... I mean, if if they end up winning that game seven to two or six to two, sure. which which was he when he left it through the seventh homers. inning, he gave up a couple homers. They were solo homers, yeah, but right. I'm just saying he hasn't been sharp repeatedly, back to back to back, yeah, and all that. Right. But and yet, so those are three right. things they need to get right. And yet, we mentioned Maeda, <laughs> who's been phenomenal since been coming off the IL. They've had yes. in, uh, since he came off Has the IL. Has looked every bit like 2022 Maeda, yeah, which yeah. is a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Not just smoke and mirrors, Maeda. It's been right. a lot of strikeouts. Yep. And then Bailey Ober has just been their most consistently good pitcher yeah. all season, yeah. which is remarkable because he started the season in the minors, right? Uh, yes. which is amazing. I mean, yeah. if, if you need six innings of two-run ball and you got to bet on one guy to do it, it's become Bailey Ober, yeah, honestly. I think that's right. And even when he struggles early in starts, he does not let it snowball. Right. Uh, and he has just become such a reliable, every fifth day, keep you in the game, sometimes have dominant yeah. starts, but mostly yeah. just... He's just become a good pitcher with good stuff. He misses bats, gives up some homers, but for the most part, he's yeah. done a pretty good job limiting that. And so it's strange he's that he's been their most consistent guy. Yeah, no question. It's, about it's amazing. It, right? And so at the beginning of the year, April, May, it was like, well, Ober was in the minors. Maeda yeah. was trying to come back from Tommy John, right. and then had to go back on the IL with arm fatigue, and he had been a mess at that point. All the crap that's gone wrong in the lineup has gone right for the rotation in some ways. That well, way, for like, those two. Yeah, right. But then the flip side 
guy, the, the three guys who carried you so much early in the right. season, yeah. and we're all looking like all stars. And in fact, two of the three did make the all star team. Now they're kind of faltering. So the overall result is not that different. Right. The, it's not been as a sharp of a rotation, but. You know, if you can get Sonny Gray back on track or you can get Joe Ryan back on track, I think you're still in, a, in an excellent spot. And here's the other thing. We talked about kind of how six-month depth changes when you get to the playoffs. Well, you just need three starters yeah, in know. the playoffs, yeah. certainly in that opening round of the yep. playoffs. And so when you got five and three of them are struggling or not been phenomenal, well, you just got to fix one of those guys That's and right. keep the other two. Yeah. Like they That's just right. need three of these five guys to be – Kind of on top of their yeah. games when the, when the playoffs yeah, roll. I tell you, if it is this deep, they get to a seven game series. They're going to have an advantage in the fourth game. Well, that's, that's definitely true. Yeah, right. and if you're able to move, let's say Maeda to the bullpen, that's another potential yeah. advantage. Yeah. I mean, there's other guys. You, I, I still think Pablo would be good in the bullpen too, but I don't know that they're considering that. Uh, the other three don't strike me as great candidates to move to the bullpen, but we'll see. Uh, okay, so. Uh, Thank you, too. There's your trade talk. (laughs) There's your kind of look ahead, which will inevitably be proven completely wrong uh, 45 minutes from now when they (laughs) do or don't make a trade. Uh, But again, just to emphasize, anything that happens from the point in 15 (laughs) seconds when John hits stop to through the trade deadline, we will be reacting very quickly, usually. Yep. Uh, via emergency episodes, and then we'll also just have kind of a traditional Monday show or a recap right after the deadline, too. Those will all be exclusively available to our Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash Gleeman. We have more signups than we've ever had before, yeah. and we would love to have you join us. Yep. Try it out for the next week. Yeah. If you like it, right. stick with it down the stretch yeah. and into the playoffs because right. it's about to get interesting there, too. That's right. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. You listen to the free show, whatever. So uh, Otherwise, we will talk to you on Friday. Yes. Uh, next week, <laughs> no. we'll have a, we're going to have a lot to talk. We're going to have a lot to talk. About. Hopefully, one way or the other. Talk about. Thank you to our sponsors, which are Game Time and Bricksworth and Stamps.com. And we will uh, hopefully talk to you no later than Friday next week. But we'd love to talk to you during the week. Stop by Patreon.com/slash. Bye bye. Gleeman. <laughs>